Welcome to Context, the podcast from Arizona State University's Construction Technologies class, giving you an inside look into the backgrounds and theories of the subjects covered in this course. Greetings, Con 453 students. Welcome, as always, to Context. I'm joined today by Professor Farnsworth, and we're talking today about planning for BIM. Chase, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm loving the, some of the fun stuff that happens behind the scenes the students don't get to enjoy, but yeah. I'm ready. We'll have to save some B-roll for them later, and, uh, and we'll have a <laughs> bloopers reel or something. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're talking today about the process for project execution planning. Right, you've heard me talk probably in class on Monday, um, kind of about an overview of PXP and developing these uh, project execution planning um, templates or, or, or plans that we will develop in our project. The guide that we're gonna provide uses a pretty specific sort of step, right? Or set of steps, there's four steps. Um, you don't have to memorize them, but you also should have some sense of them, right? The, the trick behind these steps is very simple. It's start with the end in mind. Before we talk about how many licenses of Revit do I need to buy for this project, start by saying, what do you want to get out of using BIM on this project, right? You heard me talk at the beginning of the semester um, and probably throughout the semester about, yeah, I'm a technology geek. And a lot of the research I do is techie and is fun and is, you know, kind of new and emerging tools. But every study we do starts with a fundamental philosophy that technology is just here to support us as the human you should take this philosophy with you in industry too. And I'm not saying this because I think it's new or controversial, right? Like as humans, we all kind of are hardwired to like this. It puts us in the power position. So we, we all sort of like the philosophy that technology is just here to support us. But sometimes we kind of forget that and we use technology because we can, not because we should. That's where we wanna to try to avoid some common mistakes here. So, so maybe in the spirit of illustrating some context, Chase, can you talk about what maybe a bad value proposition would look like or a bad planning process for defining value might look like of, of what we want to avoid? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. So I think, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll lead off with one of the ones you shared in some of our planning. You know, this kind of, you know, we're in 2021 now, right, as of this recording. Um, you know, to say that everything is going to be 100% in BIM by 2022, that's that's obviously something that we, we shouldn't be spending our time targeting. Um and there's a lot of different reasons behind that. You know, one of the biggest ones I would focus on is, um, again, kind of reflecting back to some of our conversations earlier in the semester with the students about, you know, while it may be valuable for some, it's not necessarily valuable for all. Um, <clears throat> thinking specifically to the example we shared about, you know, painters versus MEP trade partners, right? MEP trade partners, there's obviously high value both to them um, and to the project um, partnership. But painters, you know, as much as we love them and they are important, they don't need to be spending their time. There's no real value in there. Um, so I think that's one, you know, really good example that you shared, Steve. Um, another one, you know, I think I would just tie more generically um, to to what we do with the students most weeks in class via the quizzes. Um, you know, we we challenge them to think and to communicate in that smart modality. And I think the same idea is probably a, a good enough kind of broad umbrella to give them without getting into too much more minutia. That you know, as you're thinking about your goal that you want to communicate um, or the value you're trying to, to accomplish. 
if you can't communicate some some element of smart to it, um, you know, it, it, it frankly doesn't matter, and we shouldn't be exercising ourselves on it. And you know, later on we'll give some some other good examples, but um, I think those are two good comments for now. Unless there's anything else you want me to cover. No, I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, because because at the end of the day, BIM BIM's a tool, right? We say this, and I, I feel like the students kind of say, "Yeah, we know it makes sense." But we, we do see the kind of value propositions that you're talking about, and we want to avoid those, right? So it's almost like if BIM is a tool and a hammer is a tool, as an analogy here, would we ever say something like, we want to maximize our use of hammers? Well, no, we want to use hammers when it's appropriate to use a hammer. And in the same way, we want to use BIM when it's appropriate. So this is where step one comes in, right? There are four steps in the guide. Like I said, it's not really in your interest to memorize them in some sort of, I can parrot them back to someone but you should have a sense of what's involved. And the steps basically start with the end in mind by defining goals and uses. We're gonna focus on that step one. After that, we will look at subsequent classes at defining a process for realizing those goals and uses, defining supporting infrastructure, and also, I should have said before then, defining information exchanges, and then supporting infrastructure to enable those goals. But it's basically start with the end in mind and get systematically more specific in your planning to achieve whatever we've set out to achieve. And so it's that first piece today is what we're gonna do. Finding what is it that our goals and uses are going to be. We've given some maybe not good examples. Chase, what's a good example? Like what, what would be an example of something you say, oh, that's an appropriate goal or use. This is something we would actually care about achieving. Yeah, good question. So um, again, think about what what is the purpose of BIM, you know, Steve, you know, kind of your analogy of, of hammers, Steve hammers this into your heads every single time we talk that BIM is for failure, right? We want to fail in BIM and figure things out. And a lot of times when those um, failures either get overlooked or not satisfactorily resolved, what does it translate into when we're out in the field? This little thing called an RFI, a request for information. Um, and what ultimately ends up happening a lot of times with, with these RFIs is they... <clears throat> They not only take time to get resolution to, but then their correction in the field now oftentimes has a cost and schedule impact. Um, if you haven't had an internship yet in the industry or if you hadn't had field exposure yet in your internships, um, you know, I, I would be willing to make a pretty large bet that any of your RFI, formal RFI forms that you've engaged with in your internships has two lines on there somewhere for a cost impact and a schedule impact. Um, and so a very smart um, thing that we should be looking to do with, with our BIM is reducing the volume of RFIs is probably a low-hanging fruit opportunity. Yeah, because, I mean, again, if we're, if we're getting this information late in the process, there are going to be impacts of it. Um, and so, so yeah, so, so you're hitting exactly where I was hoping you'd go. So for the students, we've got two kind of complementary pieces here. I'm gonna introduce a concept and then we're gonna get into our what's next. And this is what we're gonna talk about for a lot of our session uh, this week for, for the one related to this topic. And that is to say, how do you know if what you're defining is value, right? We've given you good examples and bad examples. And I'm guessing some of you heard this and said, why would I not wanna be 100% BIM? That, that sounds good, right, on the surface. And if you don't think about it too hard, it does. But in the same way that I don't want to be using a hammer 100% of the times, 100% BIM doesn't make sense when you kind of think about it in more detail, I want to give you some strategies here. So I'm going to give sort of a, an image, if you will, 
for each of three different questions that you should ask yourself when you're thinking about a value proposition of, I want to, as you say, reduce RFIs or maybe eliminate um, uh, cost and schedule impacting RFIs, whatever the situation is where I would like to minimize or otherwise eliminate those problems, I may be thinking of some value proposition that I want to enable through BIM. I think if I can do 3D coordination, I may be able to reduce these. If I can do design review with the architects early on, maybe I can find out these bit, uh, bits of information earlier, whatever. Okay, so we're targeting some kind of value. These are the three questions I want you, the student, to ask yourself. And I really want you to do this. I know it sounds stupid um, or, or obvious in some cases, but this is something students sometimes mess up. First question, is what you're thinking about undeniable value? And the way I would think about this is basically thinking, imagine you were presenting this value proposition to someone who hated technology. So not me, right? Someone who hates it and they want nothing to do with technology. If you say, my goal is to make us 100% BIM to someone who hates BIM, do they want you to become more focused on BIM? No, right? They, they want less of it. So is it undeniable value, something that undeniably, regardless of, of the technological tool we use, is the outcome something that anyone would want? Question two, is it specific and measurable, right? We sometimes fall into the trap of saying, I want a better project, right? We have these generalities and we say, I like good things. Do you like good things? Oh, good. I like good, bad things I don't like, but good things I like. So, okay, we're on, we're on the same team. We're gonna go for a good project. That all makes sense at a general level, but what makes for a good project is very different. I cannot measure good project. I can measure on schedule, right? I can say, is, it, is this milestone, did it occur when we planned for it? I can measure on budget. I can measure number of errors. I can measure number of safety incidents, right? I can measure number of changes to the design. There's a number of things I can measure, but better project, I can't. So think in terms of your value proposition. Is it specific and measurable? Is there a metric I can apply to measure it? And the third one, I'll be very honest with you all, this wasn't on my list when I started teaching. I came to learn this needs to be on the list, is can you actually collect the metric? I'll give a more silly example in class, um, but here the example I'll give is in the past, I've had some students say, we want to improve worker productivity. Well, that sounds good, that sounds valuable, right? And if they say, is it measurable? I'm gonna measure it an amount of output that they have per day that they're, they're working. Okay, that, that sounds like a, a metric I might like. And when I ask, how will you collect this data? They say, well, you know, it may take someone a while to get comfortable using the new tool or technology. So I'll probably have them use it at the beginning of the project. And I'll have someone monitor them throughout the project to see how they get better over time. So every day I'll have someone filming them and assessing the video to see how they perform and how they get better. Okay, so you're gonna hire a crew to build your building you're gonna hire a second crew to film the first crew and maybe as sort of a skeleton crew at night to analyze the footage got by, gotten by the video crew in the day, right? I mean, even listening to this, it, like this shouldn't, for the students, this shouldn't pass your laugh test. Like this is silly. It, it, you're not gonna get this metric, right? You could probably get a, a weak, a slightly weaker version that's much more gettable. You could look at something like daily reports. Right? I could get that. Now all of a sudden that's a metric that I say, yes, but I won't know this individual at this hour and this minute of the day, how is this technology enabling him or her? Yeah, you won't know that, but you can get that data and you can make decisions based on evidence on daily reports. That's a, a piece of data you might actually be able to get. So 
In recap, the three questions you are asking yourself when you're thinking about value propositions. Is it undeniably valuable? If someone hates technology, do they still want this value? Is there a metric you can apply to know whether or not this was successful? And is there some kind of process, if you were, say, a project manager, you could actually implement to get this bit of data to inform your investments to either use this technology more or discontinue its use, right? Those are the three things we want to apply. Chase, tell us what's the what's next that we'll, we'll actually kind of go through this exercise there where they can think about this a little bit. Well, two, two things before we jump into the what's next. First, you know, just to make sure that you've always got someone in your corner, Steve, I'll, I'll affirm with you. I, I like good things and I don't like bad things. Oh, good. So then then we don't need to plan anymore. Worth. We're set. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everything will go well knowing that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm sure this, um, the students oh. can see behind the curtain to see the flaw in this logic and why that's so uh, uh, short-sighted. Yeah. Yeah. So, so all kidding aside, um, again, the, the, the other thing I wanted to get to before we jump into what's next, you guys, um, a couple weeks ago or maybe a week ago, we posted a resource for you into the course resource module or course resources module. Um, you know, shameless plug for my employer, but nonetheless, you're going to get it. Um, we, we did a study a couple of years ago on the VDC driven outcomes. Um, you know, you could you could take outcomes and replace it with the word value, right? Um, and we studied across several projects that we had been doing um, how VDC was helping us to extract that value. And we, we looked at it across three specific verticals, um, you know, to Steve's point about them being undeniably valuable. We looked at schedule reduction. We looked at cost reduction. We looked at productivity increase, right? Um, so those were the three verticals we chose to look at them um, through. And so I would encourage you to go, you know, jump on to that um, Canvas website, go pull that thing down. Go give it a, a perusal. We, you know, not only do we talk about those verticals, but we also assess it through the lens of various projects. And so games. hopefully, um, what you're going to be able to do as you as you go through that is it's going to help prepare you with a couple more concrete examples of how to assess value um, in the context of this process that we're aligning for you. So those two things, right? One, just a little bit of, of fun BS to enjoy some time with Steve, um, and two, just trying to help give you guys some more concrete examples. Of, of what we mean by value. So the what's next. Um, <clears throat> so we want you to go off and as you're finishing walking the dog or you know having a coffee, et cetera, think about a technology that you do not use yet but could use in the future, right? Um, something that's probably coming closer than, than what we might expect is autonomous cars, um, augmented reality glasses. I remember back in 2009, 2010, I think is what it was, when Google Glass first came out and trying that thing out and thinking, hey, here it is. and I, don't, I haven't seen a Google Glass or heard reference of a Google Glass in years. Um, <clears throat> 3D printed food um, to help automate our cooking, whatever, right? You kind of get where we're going with this. You know, flying cars, let's, let's even go there for fun. Um, but if, if you were going to adopt one of these technologies or, or perhaps something that you might have in your mind, we want you to address the following three questions. Um, again, what value would it need to provide to you um, beyond what you currently have without it, right? So think about the Google Glass, right? That's the first one that came to my mind. Do I really need to see a, a computer screen ahead of me at all times? For me, the answer is no. Anyway, um, what metric would you would you indicate um, or would you use, excuse me, to indicate this value, right? Um, and then last but not least, how would you collect this metric? I think Steve gave you some good things to think about with some of the um, actual issues in collecting metrics when you think about you know this whole thing on productivity that he talked about. So consider, you know, not only how you would collect the metric, but I might add an, an additional element to it. Um, is that an efficient way to collect that metric? Okay. So there you go. That's the what's next. 
And uh, we hope you had some fun with us because we know we have fun with you all when we're in class together. And we hope it gave you some context.